here. We are currently in our study of the prophet Amos. What an incredible prophet. I'm so glad that um, God allowed him to be one of the writing prophets. We benefit greatly. We're going to look at uh, chapter 4 this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your love, your goodness, your patience towards us, Lord. And we pray that you would give us wisdom as we study your word, as we give our attention to you and you alone. And that you would have the free course to deal with our hearts, Lord. That we would not deceive ourselves, but the Lord, we would be um, lined up with you, trusting you in every way. And so, Lord, we praise you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, why don't you turn to Amos chapter 4, please. Amos chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And the message entitled, Religion, a Step Away from God. Amos the prophet had a very difficult mission, as you know. He was sent to a very religious people who had turned away from God. Many believe that religion is a step towards God, while in reality it is a step away from God. You're shaping and molding God after your own image. You're changing, you're compromising, you're altering. You're not following the plumb line of God's word. Romans tells us that religious people are capable of the grossest sins while believing they're right with God. Read Romans 1. James says, the tongue that is uncontrolled is the source of useless religion. James 1.26. And Jesus told the Pharisees that religions, uh, and their, as their part, um, it Looks like clean on the outside, white as sepulchers, but inside they're full of dead men's bones. And so religiosity is just what goes on the outside, but it doesn't reveal what really is inside. Often it's contrary. So Amos provides for us three marks of religious people for which God will judge. Let me read our text for us here. Hear this word, you cows of Basham, who are on the mountain of Samaria who oppress the poor, crush the needy, who say to your husband, Bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, Behold, a day shall come upon you when he will take away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You will go out through the broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into harmon, says the Lord. Come to Bethel, transgress all at Gilgal, multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifice every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the free will offering. For this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord God. Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you. When there were still three months to the harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and there, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two of three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I blasted you with blight and mildew when your gardens increased. Your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, your, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you plague 
after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with the sword along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camp come up into your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to men his, what his thoughts are, and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Amos provides for us these three marks of religious people that God will judge. They're as follows. Social injustice, spiritual apostasy, and self-destructive. Those are the three marks of religious people, according to Amos here. He begins with social injustice, verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 1, the women were at the forefront of the social injustice. This should be no surprise for the day and for the lane they had been living the way they did. The women are called by God to listen to the judgment that is coming in view of their own sins. The phrase, hear the word, is an imperative command as God summons these females of the community regarding their sin of injustice they were involved in. The imperative command appears two other times. In chapter uh, 5, verse 1, it says, to hear the high privilege of being known by God from the exodus of Egypt. Only you only have I known of all the families of the earth, which gave them heavier judgment. Then in chapter 5, verse 1, to hear the lamentation of God over the judgment that came upon them. To those that much is given, much more is required. Now he's focusing on the women at this point. He'll include the men as we move along, but he's dealing with the women here. Now, the women are called cows of Basham in the mountains of Samaria. Amos speaks with sarcasm here. Sometimes people miss that. Basham uh, it was on the north territory, on the um, east side of the Jordan. That's where half-tribe Manasseh, uh, Gad, and Reuben had settled. They liked the territory. It was grazing land for good cattle raising. And Moses said, no, what are you doing? You know, don't you remember when we rebelled? And God, no, 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 wait, we'll go in the land. We'll settle it for you. Then afterward, then we'll come back. And so they asked, well, fine. But they were the first to go into captivity because they settled on the side where God really hadn't given it to them. God allowed it, his permissive will. Sometimes people want to live on the fringes of God's borders. They're the first to go into captivity. Simple. Now, the area again was chosen because of the fertile grass there. And um, um, these women became wealthy. He calls them cows of Basham through the, and, and prosperous through the corrupt lifestyle at the expense of the people. They were at the forefront of this corruption, of this luxury. The northern kingdom, uh, Jeroboam too, uh, last 50 years, all kinds of wealth. God can judge you by giving you wealth. It will destroy you if you're not walking with God. 
Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom, as you know. Luxurious, beautiful during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. Um, it's going to speak about the ivory uh, luxury of, 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 of the city, of the beautiful city, up on a, on a hill, the viewpoint on every, every direction, the Mediterranean, the plain of Ezron, Jerusalem, um, Mount Hermon, beautiful. Now, these women were not hid, notice, nor safe by their natural defenses of Samaria because God saw and knew everything. People who are leaders and they, and, they, and they destroy their communities or their nations thinking that they're going to escape. They're self-deluded. God is very aware of everything. Listen to chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in, in Mount Samaria, notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Those in Washington, they will not escape. Not one of them. Notice the women are charged with three sins. The women oppressed the poor. The law spoke critically against this. Exodus 23, 6, you shall not pervert the judgment for you, of your poor in his dispute. Leviticus 19.10, you shall not glean your vineyards, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. God care for the poor. This is not entitlement. They would leave it. They would have to go work and pick their own fruit. Our welfare is not good. Our welfare makes lazy people, entitled people, demanding people, lazy people. There's a place for compassion, a place for help. God makes that, and we should have that, but not the way our system is set up. Now, Jesus condemned the Pharisees on this also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. How low can you be? And for pretense, make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Matthew 23, 14. So, these women oppress the poor. They're, they're, they're the leading, leading movement against this. These women crushed the needy is the second thing that it says. These uh, Those who were down and out, needing compassion, mercy, loving kindness, having no heart. Later on in chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says, Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take uh, grain taxes from him, though you have uh, built houses of hewn stone from the taxes, the politicians get wealthier, you have planted Pleasant vineyards, you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your multiple transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. All politicians get wealthy. They pass laws that they don't have to live under, only us. They should make every politician be under Obamacare. Absolutely. So you learn. Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan to, to teach to love our neighbor in Luke 10, 30-37. At the end he says, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who shows mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. That's for you, that's for me. We're to be benevolent, we're to be compassionate. And most Christians are. Because they realize how God has forgiven them. 
And they have much more than they need because we used to live for ourselves. Now we don't live for ourselves a little different. Now notice they manipulated and, and led their husbands to celebrate their sinful debauchery with intoxicating drink with no guilt and conscience. This is the third sin. This is the ladies that he's addressing who sing idly, it says later on, Amos, to the sound of string instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointment, the perfumes, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph, chapter 6, verse 5 through 6. I mean, they're living in obvious and just all this ex- luxurious thing and they're, they're just destroying the poor, taking more money, raising more taxes. Just party, party, party. How many cocktail parties Obama have? Weekly, didn't miss them. Highest capital consumption alcohol, Washington, D.C. Amazing. Now, Ladies, these three sins are exactly what goes on in our nation among women today in many different ways, on different levels. But it's the woman who has been destroyed and totally transformed in our nation. Notice the women and men would be judged by God and go captive, verse 2 and 3. The certainty of God's righteous judgments over these men or these women and men, is by the oath of holiness. God is holy. But again, the greater concentration here is with the women. And as you look to our nation, you have women on the forefront of everything. Our culture has changed completely. The men have been neutered in America. And we wouldn't have terms for them. Metrosexual. They're not homosexual, but they dress a little funny. Um, um, and we've got all these accommodations. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's an insult to God. Job fifteen fifteen says, If God puts no trust in his saints, then the heavens are not pure in his sight. This is the one that's speaking to the Holy One of Israel. You are of pure eyes and to behold evil and cannot look upon wickedness. Habakkuk 1, 13. He sees all the evil, but he doesn't look upon it with condonance or, or approval. Who are these people? The people of God. Look at two still. They will be taken captive by the Assyrians. The word behold is an exclamation to give attention to something unexpected. In this case, God was about to judge them for their sinful lifestyle and corrupt worship. They were ascribing to God. Oh yeah, we're Christians. Really? Wow. This is the problem of today's cultural Christianity. The emergent movement has culturized the church and the Christian redefine them. And everybody goes to church to have fun, to feel happy, to hook up. It's a meat market. They don't go to church to learn the word of God. How does it apply to me? How does it make me wiser today? How does it make me a better father, a better mother, a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter? How can I please God more? People aren't interested in that. They want to be happy. <laughs> they want to have liberty. Little brewski, little wine. Little boogie. Wow. I'm a Christian. Okay. The manner they would be taken away was with fish hooks. Notice that. 
being the practice of the Assyrians would carry off their captive with fish hooks and lives and drag them off. Second Chronicles 33.11. There's other areas. History is full of it. The Assyrians were very, very cruel, very vicious to their captives. They would um, skin them alive. They would tear them apart with horses. They would bury them up to their necks and put honey in them and let ants all over them. Um, mass suicide would, would take place when they surrounded a city. They were vicious. Notice people would be led to captivity. Um, in a straight line as captives, you will go out through broken walls. Not the city gate, but out the breached walls of the city. All their defenses had been removed. There was no protection. Then they would be taken and transpopulated as a captive uh, group. And you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord Yahweh. Now, this was the custom of the Assyrians to transpopulate people. They would captivate them, move them to far cities. They would take Burbank and put them over La Puente and La Puente over La Huntington Beach. And they would move you to move you away from your family, from your nation, from your customs, from culture, from everything else. This way you would be less likely to rebel. You would just settle down. You would just assimilate and be totally absorbed into the next culture. It worked. Very, very effective. Harmon means high fortress. We don't know where that is. It's not mentioned to us. Most likely it's one of the cities where they're going to be taken there transpopulated. The absolute authority is stated, says the Lord Yahweh, the one they had broken covenant with. This is the one that's confronting them. Um, you want to know the model for the ladies in that day? Jezebel. Everybody ran around like Jezebel. Dressed like her, makeup. We have, uh, you know, women today, they're a bad example. Madonna. And I can't even think of the other names, but you know them. And parents let their children emulate them. Horrible. Has destroyed our young, young ladies through our country. Today in America, we see many social injustices both by men and women. We have both men and women living sexually promiscuous lives that undermines and jeopardizes their future marriages in many ways. And they get dissolved. Things come up. Young women are heavy drinkers today, destroying themselves. They, buy, they pass men easy today. It's insane. We have many more women leaving their husbands today than husbands leaving wives. And most of the time through unfaithfulness. What used to be a male phenomenon is a female epidemic today. Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. It's a blessing to have a wife that loves the Lord. It's a blessing to have a wife that cares for her husband and the example at home. What a blessing. You know what an asset it is to society? The minute my brother and I got saved, my parents were so blessed and they didn't even know it. Because they didn't have to worry about us anymore. The consequence of financial drain and the loss of home and spousal support, not to speak of the most horrible social injustice committed to children by denying them a safe and a stable home, 
of growing up with an example of two adults that will keep their vows till death do them part. You talk about social injustice. This is the destruction of the family by liberal progressives. Educators, legislators, politicians that give the people what they want. Being the greatest culprits before God. Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and riches are an inheritance from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I look and see the young ladies that come here. I see so many of you and you bring your children down the hall and they're so excited. What a blessing. You and your husband are walking hand in hand and you're coming to church together. What a blessing. What an example. You know how freaked out these people get down the street here? They can't understand why you're here. Why you're so happy. Why you're here all the time. Scripture says, but did he not make them one, Malachi speaking, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. This was a male phenomenon. Now it's a female phenomenon. We keep going lower and lower and lower. We have social injustice under the guise of social justice. Through liberation theology that has been going on for the last seven years under the Obama administration, pitting black against white, poor against rich, employer against employee, the entitlement against capitalism, in order to indoctrinate people with wealth distribution, which is nothing but socialism. And socialism's fine as long as we have money. And then when everybody's money's gone, then the reality of socialism comes in. It's not pretty. Not at all. Keeping the black community dependent on welfare and increasing and expanding it with debit cards and now cell phones. They're not helping any group of people when you give them free stuff. You want to be compassionate. You want to help them. You want to be there. God has a great program. Have people show up and clean the parks, clean the highways, paint public buildings. Whatever you do, you work for the stuff you get. You don't just sit at home and get it. Cheese and check line. Now cell phones too. Robbing the um, hardworking black person, white person, Latino person. Oriental person, whatever color you are, you're a hard worker and you've put money in for the system, for the future, and now it's given to illegal invaders in wealth distribution. This is the theft by a president who says he's a Christian, commander-in-chief, which is really commander-in-thief. <laughs> Religious people have no problem committing social injustices. Arrogant. Stand up. Arrogant. Wow. Second mark of spiritual apostasy. Look at verse 4 and 5. Verse 4. The sins of the women and men did not stop them from being religious. God through Amos exposed their corrupt worship by using irony and sarcasm. Really heavy now. By commanding them to go up to the two idolatrous sinners here in the past. 
as they've gone there in the past. Now he wants them to go in the present. Yet Yahweh here, through Amos, orders them, come to Bethel and transgress. What, what kind of that? It's sarcasm. It's like you as a parent telling your kid, oh yeah, go ahead, break the window. I'll break your face. You know, you're, you're, it's sarcasm. It's a sarcasm at its highest. Two imperative commands are given. Come and transgress. The word come means literally to go. Transgress, which means to willfully and knowingly transgress. Go, go, go ahead and do that. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> in their going, they were transgressing in their syncretistic worship as if it pleased Yahweh instead of confessing and being forgiven. Bethel was 12 miles north of Jerusalem, a sacred place where you know Jacob encountered God when he was fleeing from his brother Esau in Genesis 28, 13. Bethel means the house of God. Bethel had become the house of wickedness, Beth-Avon. Bethel was where the Ark of the Covenant was uh, taken from Shiloh in 1 Samuel 4, 4. It's where Samuel had made a, um, uh, his location for his court in 1 Samuel seven sixteen. Now it had become beth Aven, as we've learned, house of wickedness, house of vanity, from Hosea, from Joel and Amos. You have Hosea 4, 15, 5, 8, 10, 5, beth Aven, house of wickedness. Notice all these places are gonna, he's mentioning, these were places originally established by God as holy places, places to remember what he did. Then with the liberalism, they take over things. Christians established universities Orphanages, hospitals, liberals, take them over. Study your history, biblical and secular. They don't start things, they take over things. Yahweh through Amos orders them to go for now to Gilgal. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. This is the third command. Gilgal, as you know, was another of the sacred locations where Joshua crossed the Jordan. The first place where they circumcised those who, did, who lived through the 40 years and weren't circumcised, cutting away the flesh life. It means rolling away the reproach of Israel, of, of, of Egypt. Back in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. They were multiplying their sin and shame by their many transgressions here. God would not roll away their shame or their reproach anymore. It's a contradiction. Notice God through Amos continues to expose their corrupt worship by sarcasm again, commanding them to go and offer up their sacrifice as in the past. He says he ordered them, bring your sacrifice every morning. So the locations, now the sacrifices. This is the fourth imperative command by the word bring. Notice your sacrifices, those purchased with money that came from the oppressing of the poor the crushing of the needy. God would not honor nor accept these sacrifices. The particulars are every morning. Don't miss it. It's not the daily sacrifice that he's talking about, but in sarcasm, even as if every morning they gave something, God would not be pleased because they're horrible. They're at the expense of people. They're through the hands of corrupt people. And then he orders them again, your tithes every three days. The sarcasm continues. Your tithes once again from the poor, the oppressed, the crushed, the needy. God would not honor it. And the particular every day is the highest sarcasm for the tithe here was to be given once a year 
for the poor and a second one every three years. And here it says, even if you gave it every morning, it would not be accepted. It'd make no difference. Sometimes people think they can buy their way to heaven. And they give money and as if God's going to say, okay, I'll let you slide. No way. God would not acknowledge them. Now notice in verse 5, the women and men prided themselves in the religious ritual before the people. God through Amos revealed that they had no fear of God in their corrupt religious worship. This again is the fifth imperative command. The command is to offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving which indicated a voluntary offering. This wasn't required by the law, but it was voluntary. The thanksgiving offering signified that they were in fellowship with God. So they're up there at Bethel. They're up there, you know, at Gilgal. They're worshiping. Oh, yeah, I'm one with God. Looks so good. God, the angels are throwing up. The fact that it was to be with leaven, underline that, is of the highest sarcasm again. Because leaven's a type of sin. You never offered, especially the Thanksgiving offering. Their sinful offering was an insult to God in view of their social oppression and robbery of the poor. Leviticus 7, 12 through 14, the Thanksgiving offering was not to have leaven because it signifies sin. Listen to Amos 5, 21 through 23. I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your, uh, your, your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. It's all just, a, it hurts my ears. It, it, it makes me revolt. Notice God through Amos revealed that they had no shame before men also in their corrupt religious worship there in verse 5 at the end there. God gave the sixth and seventh imperative command here. They were to proclaim, which means to cry loud, loudly to be heard. They were to announce, to cause to be heard in this free will offering. Both of them are emphatic. They, 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 they magnify it here. So they were to be declaring loudly as they're offering this free will offering so that everybody can hear them. But God is not hearing them, only the people around them deceiving themselves. I mean, you talk about a, a vivid picture of how God feels about this type of worship and all that goes on. And a lot of this stuff is going on today in the church, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of this. And people go to church for many different reasons, but they don't go to seek God or to learn the word of God. When you tell somebody, you sit and you listen to me for an hour, they go, what? They want a sermonette for Christianettes. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about repentance. Ooh, let's not talk about the devil. I don't want no negative vibes. And they use all new age terms and there's new emergent vocabulary. And they're just all happy on their way to hell. Wow. It's sad. I don't say this self-righteous. I say it's sad. 
when God's word is so available to us and so valuable to us. God unveiled their hearts. Notice they were arrogantly pleasured with themselves over the corrupt and false worship. For this you love. Ooh. Your chil- you children of Israel, says the Lord God. You can hear a parent's voice. I don't understand you. You're destroying your life and, and, and you love it. What is your problem? Is that a father that hates his son or daughter? Of course not. They love the praises of men by their outward religiosity to be seen and heard of men. The authority behind the revealed hypocrisy is God, says the Lord God. Amos is just the instrument. They were unwilling to acknowledge their sins in the past. Therefore, they were even now unable to see their sin in the present. Listen to Amos 6.8. The Lord God has sworn by himself, the Lord God of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, says, I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore, I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. The die has been cast. You know, President Bill Clinton um, would often be shown by the media coming out of church waving his Bible. Yet he had the sexual encounter with Monica Lewinsky in the Oval Office just bringing the office of president in Washington all the way down to the sewer and then trying to um, put a spin on it. What does the word mean if or is? Horrible. Now, do you think our politicians and presidents are going to escape God? Not at all, ladies and gentlemen, not at all. I am sure that some of the people involved in Planned Parenthood claim to know God. But the Word of God rejects their claim. The activities they are involved in reveal their character. They're evil. Killing babies. Making a great profit. Matthew twelve thirty three says, Either make the tree good... And its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. We're not saying that we can't fail. When we fail, we confess, we get right. We don't keep going off. You make corrections. Many of the environmentalists worship nature, Mother Earth, Al Gore, even wrote a book on it. Yet they lie completely about global warming and they're the biggest violators <laughs> of clean air and all that. Look up Gore, how he lives, his houses, planes, his consumption of energy. Hypocrite. I call him Igor. The plan is to control people, limit people's personal freedom, to impose higher costs for living. Simple. Proverbs 6.14 says, Perversity is in their, his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. What a description of our politicians today. Absolutely. 
I feel like I'm in the north right now, in the northern kingdom. <laughs> I mean, it's a direct parallel. Some of the most religious people in the world are the greatest terrorists to the world under Islam. They have no problem killing innocent children and women and men. Not combat soldiers, but civilians. They're cowards. They believe they please God and that God will re their God, Allah, will reward them. Amazing. Not so. It, it will not happen. Not at all. And so... Religious people in spiritual apostasy tried to merit their standing before God proudly by what they do. As these people have been called to Washington and they've been cross-examined, the focus is that look at all the good they've done trying to justify the evil. Nobody goes to jail. Because you focus on the good they do for women. So the killing of children... There's no problem. Really. God help us as a nation. Notice third mark is self-destructive. Verse 6 through 13. <clears throat> 6 through 11. God chastened Israel in every way in order to, to cause them to repent. <clears throat> but they did not. Don't miss this. Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth. Doesn't mean they went to the dentist. <clears throat> in all your cities. And lack of bread in all your places. Yet, you have not returned to me, says the Lord Yahweh. Wow, what an indictment. This is from heaven. Nine times the personal pronoun I appeared between verse 6 and 11. God did everything to turn him. You and I have never fallen into sin, but God has warned us over and over again. You and I will not perish and ever be able to say, it's your fault, God. You weren't patient. You didn't warn me enough. You didn't give me enough opportunity. Never. The people were all affected. Notice cleanness of teeth in all their cities, lack of bread in all their places. The people were strangers. To the ways of God. Their ear was deaf to his voice. Their eyes were blind. To the way God was dealing with them. Their hearts were far removed from the will of God. They've been living like this for so long. Notice the people were unwilling to repent of their sins. They were accused. Of refusing to turn back to God. That's what the word repent means. This is the word return. Same thing. They just refused it. The one making the accusation is the Lord God. Yahweh. Says the Lord. The covenant God. The one that has a right to do that. To demand that. To ask that. Just as the father or mother has a right to ask that of their children. And to ask them what are you doing? To hold them accountable. If they sought God with all their heart, they would be found in captivity. The promise was there in Deuteronomy 4, 29-31, later chapter 32-10, and many other places. And that took place as a remnant in the captivity. Brought them back after Babylon. But not now. Look at 7 and 8. God chastened them through drought. Now we're having a little drought. Got a little sprinkle this morning, but, you know, I wonder if God's in this. 
God allows rain to fall in every unnatural way. Look at seven there. God um, interpreted, interrupted the seasonal rain here. He says, I also withheld rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. The early latter rains, October, November, March and April. God interrupted them to try to turn them to go to God, but they did not. God selected particular locations to rain. Listen carefully. I made it to rain in one city. I withered, uh, I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon and where it did not rain, the part withered. So it rained on this part of the sanctuary, but it was dry over here. Wouldn't it cause you to kind of say, God? But see, they refused it. Who was at fault here, God? No, they were. The people searched out for water rather than God. Look at verse 8. They were only concerned with the benefit of water, not God. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water. I mean, there's no water. Water is essential. You think you turned it on? No, hey, we've heard there's water down here. They all take off over there. They just go this far journey. But they came back, they remained thirsty. But they were not satisfied. All that long travel wasn't enough. But they wouldn't turn to God. This is under the curses of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. God would make the skies as iron and as brass. The people did not repent by God's chastening, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. God says it over and over again, over and over again, all these times. Is God going to see now? There's greater judgment. I did this, you didn't repent. I did this, you didn't repent. I did this, you didn't repent. Okay. You're a parent, you know what God's going to say. When God draws a red line, he, he, he keeps his word. The people did not repent. The word yet made them accountable to God. God was attempting to turn them from their sin. Look at verse 9. God chastened them through devastating their crops. God struck all their agriculture with disease. I blast you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increase, your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, the locusts devour them. We're familiar with the locust plague of Joel. Devour everything. Again, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. The people refuse to repent, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord Yahweh. Wow. God next chastened them with death and through death. Look at verse 10. God sent plagues. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. God killed them in war. Your young men I kill with the sword along with your captive horses. In other words, they took the horses as booty. Now Jonah fits into this scenario. You might see this right here. This is the northern kingdom. God allowed Assyria to come down in raids. And possibly Jonah's from that region that some of his family or friends were killed or taken captive. And that's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because he knew that if he preached and they repented, God would have to forgive them. He didn't want to see them forgiven. Wow. God sent pestilence. I made the stench of your camp come up into your nostrils. I just let all the cadavers lay there until they just stunk the place. Now, if you've ever smelt a, bo a dead body, you'll never forget it. 
When we went down to the island of Nias, when that typhoon and earthquake hit, the city had collapsed and they were starting to recover bodies. And when we got on the island and we made our, our tent city in the dump, um, it just stunk bad. You never forget it. This is what he's talking about here. They did not repent, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord Yahweh. And then in verse 11, God chastened them by destroying the multitudes at one time. God in his holiness destroyed entire cities in his holiness. Because that's how rampant the sin was. It was no little thing. God saw the few that repented, a remnant. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. A few, a remnant. John Wesley saw himself as a firebrand plucked out of the fire for his purposes fulfilled by God. As when he was a child, when his house burned down and he was saved. And when he came to the Lord, he claimed this verse for himself. How God plucked him out of literal fire to prepare him for ministry. Yet they refuse to repent. You have not returned to me, says the Lord Yahweh. Their course was set. They had no intention of repenting. This magnified God's long suffering before judgment was executed. God is always, always so patient. Jesus constantly said, let him who has an ear, let him hear. He tells the seven churches, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listening, listening not just to hear what is said, but to obey, to respond. Notice verse 12 through 13. God pronounced judgment over Israel. Nothing is left but this. Verse 12, they would have to face God about their sin. The verdict of God is conclusive. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel. The verdict is complete and final judgment because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Wow. Just like Mount Sinai in Exodus 19:17, But now for death, not revelation, not for covenant, but for death, judgment. A hostile encounter according to the curses. The one they would face was the word your God. These were the people of God. These were not pagans. Your God. The one who created all things. The omnipotent God. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, verse 13 says. Wow. The one who knows all things, the omniscient God. Who declares to man what his thought is. He knows everything. He knows my thoughts before I do from their origin. The one that sustains all things, the omnipresent God, and makes the morning darkness who treads the high places of the earth. The one that can defeat all. Listen to him. The Lord God of hosts is his name. Lord God of hosts is the captain of the armies of heaven. He's never lost one fight. He's never been fearful over anybody who confronts him or that he confronts. No one can stand before him. 
God judged Eli and his sons for their corrupt living while identifying themselves with God. His sons were laying with the women, robbing the sacrifices, and Eli knew it and did nothing about it. God brought judgment. You know, the patience of God can never be blamed when judgment comes on a person. God always warns a person regarding their sin, giving plenty of time to repent. God will use many different ways and methods by which he warns us about our sin. God is compassionate, loving, and gracious to forgive our sin, but only, only through repentance. Listen to Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, the third and fourth generation, don't let people tell you that you're suffering because your father and your mother did something your granddaddy did, and they got to cast out demons out of you, okay? That's, again, bubblegum theology. What he's saying is that if that generation does not repent, they will hand down the sinful lifestyle to their children, and most likely their children will be worse than them. We're living apart from God. But whatever generation stops that sinful chain and repents, then the next generation has the hope of living for God. It has nothing to do with you paying for the sins of your parents, okay? So don't let Copeland, Hagen, and Price Company and all the boys tell you that. They're a bunch of crazy people. It's not what it says. So you have a bunch of deliverance ministries, and the only thing they're delivering is um, nothing, air, hot air. Now, the person that rejects the patience of God is living under great danger. They are rejecting the love of God. They are embracing the love of sin. And they are unknowingly preparing themselves to meet the wrath of God. It's a choice that we make, ladies and gentlemen. No one is forced to go to heaven. Romans 2, 4 through 6 says this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. The person who keeps rejecting the goodness of God that leads them to repentance is treasuring up, mounting up, multiplying against that wrath of judgment of that day. We've had many discussions of Ezekiel's cry out, God through Ezekiel. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, God says. Turn, turn and live. Why would you die? Why? And he's talking about eternally, not physically. We're all going to die physically except for that generation. When God talks about death, he's talking about spiritual, eternal death. Religious people are self-destructive by refusing to repent. So these are the three marks of religious people for which God will judge very clearly, Amos says. Religious people have no problem committing social injustices. Look around our world. Religious people in spiritual apostasy try to merit their standing before God proudly by what they do. Listen to what people say. In the news, in our colleges, on the street, 
Religious people are self-destructive by refusing to repent. If you refuse to look up, you're going down. And it breaks God's heart. You might be here and you are in this position. Then God would cry out to you, repent. I've done all kinds of things to turn you. Here's one more opportunity. He wants to forgive you of your sin and save you. Father, thank you for your grace and love your goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray that you would deal with our hearts. And we thank you for your grace and your loving kindness. And Lord, we pray for those that are here or over the internet. Lord, you speak to their hearts. That they would call on your name. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But God has dealt with your heart and you see yourself. As the people that Amos is crying out to. Then you can call upon him and he will save you. As you ask him to forgive you of your sin, that's called repentance. And he will forgive you and make you his child by grace through faith right now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've heard the word of God. Now, what are you going to do about it? I hope you repent. If you do, he will save you. This is your prayer of repentance if you want to be born again. You can repeat it. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that decision, we want to welcome you to the family. Brother, to my right, your left, by that door. He would love to talk with you, give you that Bible absolutely free, share some important things for your growth, and you're free to leave. But don't leave here the same way you came in. Do you see how how relevant Amos is? The Bible, Old Testament, New Testament? Because two things have never changed. God is holy, man is sinful. Never going to change. Therefore, this Bible will meet all the needs of every generation that is ever upon the face of this earth. Pray for our leaders. Pray for mercy for our nation. Pray for this next year of election that God in His mercy would pour out His Spirit and then many come to the Lord. See you tonight, chapter 3 and 4. God bless. I'll be up here for prayer and questions.